And um, we also have the outline. And um, if you didn't, if your neighbor didn't see your face well, look at them again and say, stand. Stand. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so um, to open up the um, session is the question on our outline, and the question is, when have you felt the lowest in your life, and how did you handle it? How did it go? When have you felt the lowest? When was the lowest point, at least so far in your life? When did you consider, when would you consider the lowest point of your life? Would you be vulnerable enough to share with us and you know, okay, there's an and there. Um, okay, so let's take that and while the rest of us, I mean, think through our lives. Yes. Okay, uh, good evening, sir. Good evening. Okay, um, what comes to mind when I read the open question was a right. time in my life when some years back I was really broke. It was bad. Broke? Yes. Yes. Financially, it was, Financially. It was terrible. So what happened was, you know, I was still managing the brokenness and one day I walked into the house and so one of the ladies, my neighbor, one of them walked up to me and said, oh, we're supposed to pay for one service, charge something, and it's 30,000 naira. And they said I was staying back then. And when I heard that, I was just even pissed more. So I entered my room and thought, okay, you know what? What can I do? Where can I? Let me just bamboozle God somehow. <laughs> so what I did was I started... Um, I started, you know, lamenting, talking, you know, to God and really point out my heart. Like, you know, I, I'm your child. I can't suffer, even though maybe I made some financial mistakes. But I was there just lamenting, you know, feeling spoiled. So I was hoping that I would hear something like, I love you, I will care for you, I'm my child or something. What I, the kind of, the tone of, the tone I kind of sensed God was, was strict. It was more, why are you throwing a pity party? Will you get up? And I was like, Oh, okay. And he led me, the Spirit led me to the last chapter in Job. And he said, remember Job? I said, yes. He said, I, I read the last chapter in Job and I was like, hey. he said, did I not restore him? I said, you did. He said, he just made me see everything he did for Job at the right. time. And then the next question he asked me was, so is your case, is your case as worse as Job? <laughs> And since then, anytime I have any issue of any kind, and just question for I them just, to ask you, <laughs> I say to myself, "Somebody, your case is not worse as you. Right. So calm down. God is able to do it. Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? When do you consider the lowest point of your life? How did you handle it? Or are you at that point that? Is the lowest point. Um, children, you think you have seen lowest points. <laughs> so we shall not be taking any child because you haven't seen nothing yet. Okay, so we'll take that. I'll take, there's another one right in front, please. Good evening, Papi. Good evening. The lowest point in my life was when I lost three people in one year. Wow. It was terrible. I don't know how I got through it. But I believe it was God. I lost my in-law first. After we buried him, my husband died on a Sunday without any notice. After some months later, 
my mom followed. So wow. I have I have seen it all, and it is the grace that I have survived to, up till today. Amen. It's not been easy. Amen. But I know God has been there for me. I'm Amen. Amen. And God will continue to strengthen you in Jesus' name. Okay, so we take a third one and we, we dive straight into the teaching. Yes. Good evening, church. So it's almost like I feel like I can't talk to the lady who just spoke. I mean, that's, that's powerful. For me, I'm at my lowest point in my life, in my opinion, in this season of my life. And I just feel like... Um, this current season of your life? Yes. Okay. This current season. Right. And I just feel like things haven't panned out in some very key areas in my life personally. As I when I thought they would, and I really struggle with, you know, my faith. However, how am I handling it? I'm drawing closer because I think eventually that's what the Father wants. Amen. So I'm just coming and just drawing closer. And every step of the journey, I know that I'm not at the end yet, but I know that there is a reason. While I have to go through, this is definitely mastering me, and I'm grateful. Amen. 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 So it's for, it's for you and people like you that God has this word for this evening. You know, because I was sitting in JJ in my house like a Lagos boy. <laughs> and, um, and I feel very strongly that we should share this. So we are going to dive straight into it. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 4. This is God's heart for us. This is God's big picture for us regardless of the season we are in. And God is saying, always be full of joy in the Lord. How often? Always be full of joy in the Lord. In case you didn't hear it, I say it again. Rejoice. I mean, pause. And I say to myself, how? Always be full of joy. Okay, you can say always have some joy. Always have some joy. It could be a quarter, tank joy, half tank joy. God says full tank joy. How often? Always. Now, in case that was a typo, God emphasizes in his word that again, I say it again, rejoice. And it appears that I have control over my joy tank. It appears that and, and from, from experience, it, we, 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 we seem to think that it is situation and circumstances that determine the, the level of our joy. But God seemed to be saying that there's something deeper. His spirit, while, when we cooperate with him, that has control over our joy tank. Be full of joy always. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about how many things? About anything. In other words, be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray. 
about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Since then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard and garrison your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, so God is saying that the key, as it were, to having a full tank is to pray about everything and to leave everything with God. Then to thank God for all he has done. Since then we will experience God's peace. So when we pray about everything and we thank God for everything, all he has done, then we can experience God's peace. Praise the name of the Lord. When we pray about everything and we thank God for all he has done, our minds begin to shift from the problem before us to the bigness of our God and all he has done for us up until that point in time. So when, when we read, be anxious for nothing, you know, sometimes we can say, is that even possible? Because we seem to live in, in, in an age of anxiety. This age can be termed an age of anxiety, an age of, of, of fear or information overload. You are bombarded on every side with a lot of things and you are wondering, how do I cope? There was a statistic that shows that um, Generation Z, Gen Z, those they call Gen Z, after the millennials, the millennials, I mean, interestingly, thought that they were the hippiest ones. All of a sudden, now there's Gen Z, and Gen Z is even hippier. <laughs> you know? So that's how life is. It goes in circles. You know? Now, they say, the statistics say that Gen Z, 91%. Now, what are Gen Z? Those that are 22 years and below, 20, 22 to 15. 22 to 12, 22 to 13. So, from who we will call teenagers to young adults, 22. Gen Z. They said 91% of them are experiencing significant stress. I'm like, from what? From what? Significant stress. From education, from grades, from um, social media, who will like your post, so, social media bullying, from all sorts of parameters. So, when we look at stress, sometimes it's easy to think it's the adults that have bills to pay. So, what happens when we've had enough? Either you're Gen Z, or you're a millennial, or you're a baby boomer or a gen y or whatever the age group this applies to you that's the essence it applies to you so when you have had enough what do you do when you when you look at your future your your financial future your finances the uh the 
lady said that she was so frustrated, she went into her room and she decided to throw a tantrum at God. You know, you know, to a tantrum at God. That God, <laughs> praise God. Sometimes it's our health that is stressing us out. Sometimes it's the decisions we need to make. They seem to be huge. Sometimes it's our kids, our children. You know, should, should I take them to this path? Should I take them to that path? Sometimes it's the marriage that is a source of stress. Sometimes it's the job. Sometimes it's our schedule. But you see, regardless of what the pressure point is, or pressure points are, God is saying to you today that after you've done all, stand. You have been battered. You have been punched. You have been pushed. You have been shoved. You have fought. You are sore. After you've done all, stand. Stand. Just stand. Ephesians 6, 13b. It says, after you have done everything, sit. No. After you've done everything, throw a pity party. After you've done everything, throw a tantrum. After you've gone through all you are going through, write a protest letter to God. After you've done all, do what? Stand. Stand. Honestly, honestly, standing just means stand. But we we don't want to stand. We want to run. I said, you know, see, we want to run. We don't want to stand. We want to hide. We don't want to stand. We want to cry, roll, but we don't want to stand. There's a song that I, I mean, God uses to um, minister to me at those seasons of my life. And the song is based on this text. After you've done all you can, just stand. Just stand. So before we proceed, I'm going to ask that they play the song. Just follow the song. After today, I want to challenge you. Um, download the song and listen to it. There was a time I was doing my prayer work. I listened to that song. I can't remember how many times. And I was telling myself, Femi, stand. After you've done all, you stand. I know the pain of wanting to just crawl in one corner. I was telling myself, Mm-mm, you're going to stand and you're going to preach on Sunday. Mm? You're going to stand and you're going to counsel people. You're going to stand and you're going to pray for people that are going through their own challenge. You are going to stand, Femi. You're going to stand. And I'm standing to the glory of God. <laughs> keep standing <laughs> you know so let's let's have the song
Just stand. Just stand. You see, um, there was a prophet in the Bible called Elijah. Elijah was so powerful. Anointed of God. Elijah confronted a king, a whole king, a king of, of a whole nation, a powerful nation. He prophesied drought and said, except at my word, there will not be rain. And there was no rain. Elijah was fed, fed by birds, ravens. Elijah, in that period, raised the dead. Elijah stood down 850 false prophets of Baal. Called down fire from heaven. Then one mad woman threatened to kill Elijah. And Elijah ran. He did not stand. The moral there is not to fear women. The moral... The moral is to stand. What would have happened if Elijah just stood? He was afraid. He felt deflated. He felt everything was crashing. If he just stood, what would have happened? Picture it. What would have happened? Who would have prevailed? But he did not stand. Elijah experienced non-stop protection, provision, the presence of God, the power of God. Then one grumpy witch made a threat and his walls fell apart. And like many of us, we've, we've experienced God's faithfulness at different levels. Then we go through a situation. Yeah, the, the witch, I mean, is the person that doesn't know Jezebel, that thinks Jezebel. Jezebel, it's, it's, I mean, it's very dangerous. But not where Elijah is standing. Praise the name of the Lord. Not where Elijah is standing. And the situation tries to make us see the enemy Bigger than our God. The reason we don't stand is because we've submitted to the fact that what is before us is greater than who is within us. But the converse is the case. The word of God says greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. So by the time we get to 1 Kings 19 verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He says, you boys, you stay here. Then he ran. He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. And prayed that he might die. Why did you have to pray that you might die? The Jezebel wanted to kill you. Why didn't you just stay there and die? 
Why did you have to run all the way to the wilderness and sit down on a tree, broom tree, and, and say, God, kill me? If you really wanted to die, just go and meet Jezebel. She wants to kill you anyway. This is not a prayer request, Elijah. You know, we have the benefits of looking at Elijah's life, don't we? And he prayed that he might die. He says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. I'm a very useless man. I have had enough. When we feel we've had enough, what we do speaks volumes. When we think we've had enough, heaven is saying, there's only one thing to do, Elijah. Elijah's. And that is to what? To stand. Dig your heels in and stand. Stand. Say, but <laughs> Jezebel is coming. Stand. But they've threatened to kill me. Why run to the wilderness to pray to die when they want to kill you already? Stand. Then you will see that your life is not in anybody's hands. Praise the name of the Lord. Stand. So when we've had enough, we make the same mistakes Elijah make, made. And the first thing many times we do is that we run ourselves down. I'm useless. I'm not better than any of my ancestors. The second thing we do, if you're taking note, is that we shut people out. Elijah left his servant in, a, uh, uh, in Beersheba and ran to the wilderness. We, he, wants, he wants to go to a solitary place. He wants to shut his door. He wants to be alone. He wants to throw a pity party with only one invited guest, me. The third thing we tend to do, which was what Elijah did, was that we focus on the negative. We focus on the negative. When we think we've had enough, when we think we've had enough in, 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 at work, when we think we've had enough at home, in our marriages, when we think we've had enough, even with our lives, we just tend to focus on the negative. And the fourth thing that Elijah did that we tend to do when we think we've had enough is we forget God. We just forget God. Was it not God? Now, look at it this way. Um, Jezebel needed those false prophets to uphold a tyranny and a manipulations. So, Jezebel needed to surrender, surround herself with those 840, 850 false prophets, right? To be who she was. So, those false prophets were our backbone. And Elijah took all of them out. Then, why should he be, af- why should he be afraid of Jezebel? Why should he think the God that stood with him will not stand with him. So, even though God 
had been present. God had provided. God had protected Elijah. Elijah forgot God. We need to pause and stop and just, you know, like we read in our text that we need to thank him for what he has done. There's no way you will thank God for what he has done and forget God. It's not possible. There's no way you will thank God for what he has done and allow what you are currently going through to drown you and make you forget God. Ironically, Elijah, the name Elijah means my God is Yahweh. And that Yahweh is from the, the, the concept of breath. My God is my breath. Elijah's name literally means my God is my breath. When you are anxious and you are worried and you feel that you can't breathe, you have shortness of breath, what you need to do is remember that your God is your breath. Your God is your breath. When facing your fears, you cannot afford to forget your God. When facing your fears, you can't afford to forget your God because your God is your breath. Can you forget your breath? How many people here forgot their breath at home? You forgot in the car. Your breath. The the moment you stop breathing, you are gone. His name means, my God is my breath. And when he was faced with trouble, he forgot his breath. Can you forget your breath? The key to standing, we learn from Elijah. So the question for us is this. Of the four anxiety-cursing mistakes, running ourselves down, shutting people out, focusing on the negative, forgetting God, which mistake do you struggle with the most? as a midway interlude. (laughs) Which mistake do you struggle with the most? Of the four anxiety-causing mistakes. Anybody? Which mistakes do you struggle with the most? Who wants to be vulnerable? Okay, go ahead. (laughs) You have the mic. I shut people out. You shut people out. <laughs> it's, it's a mistake. So what do you want to do about that? We can't hear you. I'll stand. You will stand. Okay. <laughs> Amen. As you are standing. In Jesus' name. Okay, there's a the hand there. There's another hand there. Whoever gets the mic first. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I run myself down. You run yourself down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what you're susceptible to. What, so what do you intend to do about that? I'll stand. You stand. Amen. 
Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I used to shut people out. You used to shut people out. Okay. But lately I've been learning to talk about it. Absolutely. Not just talk about it, but have them pray for me and then find ways to go about it. Right. Right. You see, when you shut people out, you see, you, it, it gives you this sense of nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Oh, nobody understands. <laughs> Listen, there is no trouble that you're facing that is not common to man. First Corinthians 10.3, I think he says, all the challenge you're facing is common to man. Common. What does common mean? It's, it's, it's like pure water. So, don't specialize your case. It's not special. Okay, thank you. Yes, yes, please. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Okay, so I tend to focus on the negatives. Right. You tend yes. to focus on the negatives. So, yes, sir. So, what are you going to do about that? Um, like the scripture said, just refocus on God, thank him, and talk to him about what I, I did happened. see this lipstick when we were in the office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I just say that? <laughs> it is just shiny. <laughs> oh, everyone say, God help us, though. In Jesus' name. Okay, focus, Femi, focus. Now, so, uh, what did she say, Seth? <laughs> what was that issue? <laughs> negative. You focus, to focus on the negative. Okay, okay. So you you focus on. So I've not seen anybody that says they, they forget God here. So very fantastic people. Okay, we take one more. Tend to. Okay, we take that hand. I will take him. Whichever gets the mic first, then we we continue. Yes, sir. Right there beside you. Keep the hands up. Yeah. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Amen. Hmm. I tend to forget God most times. Okay. And I try to write down, like we were taught last time, I try to write down what he has done before. So I keep going back. Amen. 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 So we take... Good evening, church. Good evening. I also usually, I forget God. You, you what? I said I forget God when okay, I'm... Okay, you tend to forget God. Yes. So what, what are you going to do about that? I like, understand. You stand. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You stand. So, <clears throat> so when Elijah was falling apart, it's, it's interesting that God, doesn't, God didn't rebuke him. God didn't say, where is your faith? In Elijah's case, maybe in Sumer's uh, case, you know, she needed to be jolted up. You know, but in Elijah's case, and in, in, in that experience, my experience also, you know, God didn't rebuke him. God didn't chastise him. God met Elijah at the point of his need. God says, you are hungry. Take food, eat. You need water. Sometimes, this, the problem, you, the problem to, your, to, the prob, to the emotional depression, sometimes is to drink water. Or to eat um, tinko. You know what tinko? That's what, God, that's what they gave Elijah now. Tinko, small, small meat. And just eat it with pepper. <laughs> And drink water, you'll be fine. Sometimes the solution is not spiritual. Sometimes it's just care. It's just a hug and you're fine. And that is very instructive. Very, very instructive. In 1 Kings 19, 11 to 12, 
you know, when we dive into how God be- began to engage with Elijah, we see that the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Now, everybody, let's read this next sentence or phrase together. I want to go, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Let's read together. But... After the earthquake came a fire, but and after the fire came a gentle whisper, and God spoke to him through the whisper. And you see, the, the significance is this: when we are going through our challenges, we want the dramatic. We want God to to thunder so we know that God is interested in us we say things like if you love me let thunder strike here and let it end there then we go out and we look out and nothing happens we're like okay maybe God did hear me and we want the dramatic I say Lord if, 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 if you have really answered my prayer let it be raining in Naja and when I get to Chevron let there be no rain we want the dramatic, but and the Lord was not in the wind, and the Lord was not in the fire, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. But God was in the still small voice. So God wasn't in the remarkable, God was in the mistakeable. And that is huge because many times we miss God. Because God is hiding in the mistakeable while we are looking for him in the remarkable. We want to see God in the remarkable. Send down a sign. Let there be some wonder. Let there be this. Let there be that. And God is saying, but I'm talking to you now. But I already directed you. You already know what to do. But, 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 but let the sun go dark in the day. Then I will know that you have spoken says, but, but you already know what I've said. And you're like, and because we focus on the dramatic, sometimes, many times, if you insist, you miss God. You will not miss God in Jesus' name. You won't. So question, when we are overwhelmed by stress and overcome by anxiety, why does God's voice seem so quiet? Why? Why doesn't he speak to us in spectacular and powerful ways? Why? If he wants me to know him, if he wants me to experience him, if he wants me to trust him, if he wants me to be confident that he has spoken, why won't God speak in the dramatic? Why would he speak in the quiet? Why? Why will he whisper when he can shout? Particularly when I want him to shout. Why will he insist he wants to whisper? 
The answer is this. He whispers because he's close. He's closer and more intimate than you think. God whispers because he's always close. And he's closer and more intimate than you think. Imagine if you're married, you're, you're on the bed with your wife and she wants to talk to you. You're right beside her and she's shouting. You won't listen to me now. What, what, would, what, would, what would you say? Say, madam, calm Or your husband insists on shouting while you're right beside him. It's, 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 um, why does God whisper? Because he's close. How close he is? It's as close as your breath. How close is your breath? So God will not shout because God is near. So every time I hear God speak and he whispers, I'm comforted that he's near. God only needs to shout to people is far away from. Every time God doesn't shout at me, I'm, I'm comforted that he's there. So why do we want the opposite? Why do we want the opposite? Elijah means, my God is my breath. So God was there, yet Elijah did not recognize it. God was there, yet Elijah was looking at the spectacular. God was near. For you and I, God is near. God is near to you. God is, before you came into the service today, God has whispered something to you. He has whispered to you. While you are sitting in service today, he's whispered to you. Even as you are listening right now, for some of you, he's whispering to you. He's saying to you, Shebi, I told you, says God whispers because he's near. Super comforting. The person, the devil shouts his lies. But God whispers his truth. The devil shouts his lies. But God whispers his truth. David needs to shout his lies. But God just needs to whisper his truth. And it's the truth that can set you free. So are you broken hearted today? God is close to be the broken hearted. Have you been let down by somebody that you trusted so much? God wants to mend your heart today. He wants to. Do you feel you've been crushed? God wants to put you together. Do you feel you've been struck down? He won't abandon you. In the name of Jesus. So there's there's an equation that 
I want to leave with you. Question. Because it's good to think mathematically. So the question is, your experience plus God's presence equals enough. By the time God's presence is mixed with your experience, you have more than enough. It's enough. Your life is full. Your joy is full. So, it is God's presence that actually makes your joy full. It is God's presence that actually makes your joy full. Now, since God... was with Elijah. The name meant my God is my what? My breath. My God is my breath. What would have happened if he stood? Where would God be? Right there with him. Jezebel would not have been able to overpower him because God is right there with him. That's one. Secondly, did you notice that by the time not only did Elijah not die, by the time it was time for Elijah to go, Elijah actually never died. Elijah didn't die. So, the thing Elijah feared, which is I'm going to die, never happened. Throughout his life, Elijah didn't see death. The, th- the very same thing that he said, Oh, I'm going to die. She's going to kill me. You, God, Kukuma, kill me. Instead of a witch, kill me. I can almost hear God says, saying, eh, You won't even die. So when Elijah's time on earth was done, death didn't come for him. A chariot came for him. God sent a limousine. Chauffeur driven by angels to carry him. Elijah didn't die. So the things that you are afraid of, God is saying, you are not even going to taste it. Hallelujah. So, leave fear alone. He was anxious for nothing. That's really anxious for nothing. What if it never came to pass? Logically, you know, I mean, I'm a really logical person. You know, I like to think, okay, does this make sense? <laughs> logically, there are three possible outcomes. Three possible outcomes. When it comes to what we fear. Three possible outcomes. Number one, like Elijah, what we fear never happens. Mostly, it never happens. Elijah feared he would die. He told God, if I made it a prayer point, he told God to kill him. God says, you will not die. Thank God he doesn't answer all our prayers. He says you will not die. Second possible outcome. It's, 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 it's possible that it does happen and it's not as bad as we thought because we've been strengthened by God to deal with the situation. 
So, so, they said that um, your, your child gave admission to a school and he said, oh, this school is so expensive. Will I be able to afford it? You are afraid. You are afraid. You are afraid. You are afraid. Before the child resumes, you know, they're just getting influence here, influence there. By the time you see the school fees, I say, is this the school fees? So it actually happened, but you are empowered to sort it out. You don't even pray before you write the check. You just write the check and you say, thank you, Lord. Some of you even forget to say thank you. Just write the check. So, that is a possibility. The other option, the, which is the very worst case, is that it happens, it is more than your capacity. If that happens, then God will carry you through. God will carry you through. So there's nothing really to be afraid of. Elijah, my God is Yahweh, my breath. My God is my breath. So what do you do when you've done all you can and it appears nothing is working? You breathe knowing that who is your breath and you stand. That's what you do. Do you have any questions? Do we have any questions? Let's clap for God if if you are able to. I know we are writing. Um, if you have a question, any question, raise your hand. There are no questions. Probably you have dealt everything together. Do you have any questions? My God is my breath. What you do, you breathe and you stand. Everything wants to cave in. You breathe. And you what? You stand. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads. Some of us, we have been at the verge of giving up. God is saying to you today, I am your breath. That breath that you have, I gave you. As long as you are breathing, you stand. As long as you are breathing, you stand. So why don't you talk to God? Regardless of what you are facing, what you are going through. If you are here, you are like, Pastor, pray with me. I want to, I want to commit my life to this God. I want to be born again. I, I want to Give my life to Jesus. You've never given life to Jesus. Or, or you want to come back to God. I say, Pastor, can you pray with me? I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, that is me. Put up your hand now over your head and I'll pray with you wherever I seated. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. God bless you, my sister. God bless you right there. Keep the hands up until you have a card. Once you have the card, you can put down that hand. God bless you. That is me. Shoot up that hand. We thank God for all the children that are raising their hands. But Anybody else? That is me, Pastor. I will pray together. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. My sister, why don't you just say to God, Lord, 
I surrender to you today. I lay down all my anxiety at your feet. All my cares and all my worries. Lord, we pray for all the children that are raising their hands to you, Lord. Lord, we do not take it for granted. We ask that you fill them with your life. Reveal yourself to them. Let your name be glorified, Lord. Lord, we pray for our sister that is surrendering to you. We ask in the name of Jesus that you reveal yourself to her. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.